to the Life School Masterclass Show, a place where visionary leaders build a life and business legacy on purpose through mindset, branding, marketing, sales, systems, and team, so they can make an amazing impact and income and positively affect their communities worldwide. Ensure that you are sharing this show, you're subscribing, and you also are leaving us a review so we can create more amazing content around those areas to help you level up to the next level and also bring amazing guest experts that can share their knowledge and expertise with you so that you can create amazing legacy. All right, Legacy Builders, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to be back with you with another amazing guest and conversation. And today we're going to speak about health and not, not specifically any type of health, but our mental health. I know that this is a very hot topic for a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders to keep our, our mind healthy as obviously that leads directly to our business success, but also the fulfillment that we feel through the journey of entrepreneurship. So who better than uh, Dr. Fred Moss to have this amazing conversation. He's an expert in this field, and I can't wait to have him uh, introduce him to you today. Um, and Dr. Fred, thank you so much for taking your time to come here and share your wisdom, knowledge, and expertise with us. And usually I ask my guests to start with some of the most meaningful moments that led you to this work that you're doing today. Yeah, so first of all, thank you for having me. It's really great to be with you today. And um, there's a number of things that led me to be who I was, who I have now become. But, you know, I was born into a family that really counted on me to bring joy, love, and communication forward. I had two older brothers. One was 10 years older than me and one was 14 years older than me. And there was a fair amount of chaos and disarray between them and my parents. Now, it isn't like I can remember all of it. But they tell me that I did bring joy as a bundle of joy to that family. And that was what I was called on to do. So ultimately, I was a mental health provider upon arrival on Earth. And uh, I did so pretty well for the first couple of years anyways. I'm, I'm imagining my two older brothers don't always believe that about me now. But early on, the whole idea of communication was really enchanting to me. I actually remember being in my playpen and watching my older brothers speak to my parents and feeling like I really wanted to learn how to do that. I really wanted to learn how to share with each other. And I thought that was going to happen in school, but it didn't happen in school. In school, I was a big talker. I was precocious. I knew how to do math and reading when I arrived in kindergarten because of my older brothers. And, um, you know, it wasn't really a place where learning how to communicate was what was emphasized. In fact, what we were told to do is sit down, listen to the teacher, and then regurgitate exactly what they put on the board or whatever they say. And that was how we passed. I was very dissatisfied with that as I went through school, continually looking for how, where and how can I learn how to communicate effectively. And eventually, you know, I went to college, of course. And in college, I learned again that that isn't what they were looking for. So I dropped out of college, not once, but twice. I went back for the second time with the idea that I would learn how, this new industry. There was a new industry breaking through at the time, and you may have heard of it, it's called computers. And the only computer that existed in all of Michigan was at the University of Michigan. And so I went back to learn computers, and I didn't want to be a punch card expert. I didn't want to be a batch job expert, so I dropped out again. And I learned how to communicate. And you know that's because my mom encouraged me to get a job. And I got a job in a state hospital for adolescent boys. 
at that job, I was communicating with these kids who were only like six or seven years younger than me. And in that communication, healing took place. I was free to communicate as I needed to or wanted to. And in that dyad, in that um, alliance with the children, uh, healing took place in all directions. It was there I learned, realized that I was going to be someone in mental health. And I didn't like psychiatry. In fact, I hated psychiatry at the time. But ultimately, I wanted to be a psychiatrist because psychiatry was turning medical. In 1987, when I was halfway through medical school, um, Prozac was introduced to the world, and that changed everything. Uh, when Prozac came on, all of a sudden, psychiatry wasn't a field of communication. It was a field of um, biological. It was a field of chemical imbalances. I was not aligned with all that at all and have not been aligned since I graduated. The idea being that inside of healing, the best thing to have is communication and connection. So for the next several years, several decades, in fact, that's what I've been a stand for. Eventually, actually becoming the undoctor in 2006, when I began to take people off their diagnosis, take people off of their medicine, and frequently actually get them out of the mental health industry, because it doesn't necessarily choose, choose uh, the right path for people to get better or to get more healthy. Then I became a traveling doctor all over the US and all over the world, and eventually created Welcome to Humanity which is self-explanatory now, that being that everything we're experiencing, whether it's unpleasant or beautiful, all the things that we're experiencing in life are gifts. And the opportunity is to communicate and connect with another person at the heart of you. Welcome to humanity promotes exactly that. But what we have here is the essence, the need to self-express, and more than anything else, the need to be heard for who we are. Once we get that at the basics of what mental health is about, we don't need to utilize the conventional psychiatric system to get better. And frankly, the system doesn't make us better. It frequently perpetuates the symptoms it's marketed to treat. We don't want that. So Welcome to Humanity led to True Voice. True Voice is a book that I wrote called Find Your True Voice, helping people actually find their core values and deliver it effectively in the world by incrementally making changes uh, in their lifestyle and in their communication style using creativity, connection, and communication. My other book is called The Creative Eight, and that points to some of these creative ways of communicating. And I've stepped into being a psychiatrist and then a transformational coach, one who actually brings forth communication at the heart of all healing. And that's who you're seeing now. What a journey. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. But it's not uncommon to hear that a lot of our even early experiences shape the work we do today or even the journey leaves such meaningful impact in the in the way that we see the world, in the way that we want to contribute. And it's really amazing to hear that even your journey. But most importantly, I love that you, you that's re revolutionary, you know, having said this from a doctor and someone that has that medical background that is those pillars that actually ensure that we're healthy mentally and we're heard and we find our voice, which is what you said, right? Communication uh, and mental health are very closely connected because that's where you also receive your connection as a human being. So let's go back to those pillars, uh, Fred, and let's give the audience a little more insight on how those actually connect with each other and how we can start maybe applying those in our day-to-day communication, whether it's, you know, whether that's with ourselves, our families, our teams, our clients, our communities. I think it's 
it really applies to everything we do. Yeah, so, you know, most of us are not communicating very effectively anymore. It's really, you know, we spend a lot of time with our thumbs on our machine, and we think that we're communicating that way, and we're no longer saying that which we really need. In fact, sometimes many of us are actually saying things that even we don't believe. Now, that's unbelievable that we've reached a point to where we're actually saying things that as we're saying it, we don't believe what we're saying. So it isn't that we're necessarily lying. We can be compassionate and accepting and forgiving about ourselves. We learned over time how to embellish the truth or how to back away from the truth in order to stay on the team or in order to stay in the group, right? In order to not be rejected. And so we have learned how to pretend to be people that we're not in order to protect the people that we are. And that is completely absurd, of course. Yet, each of us knows what I'm talking. I've never said this to anybody who doesn't understand what I'm saying. We all know that that's what we do. You know, and like Henry David Thoreau said, the mass of men go through life in quiet desperation and then go to their grave with their songs still in them. And that's because we don't speak our truest voice. We instead step back. We don't say what we need to say when we should say it. Or when we do say it, we don't even say what we precisely should what we precisely should say. When I ask people about that, like what's in the way of that, most people are afraid. This whole idea of the four-letter word starting with F called fear, it's in the way of us speaking our truest voice. Steps in the way of most of us actually boldly going to say what it is we really need to say when we should say it. Now, what the True Voice technology really points to, it uses podcasting, as a matter of fact, as a um, as a template. The idea that there's a host here, there's a guest here, and there's a listenership. And what we really want to do is be able to incrementally improve our capacity to speak what's important to us. So inside of being a guest, which of those three places is my favorite place to be, I am a host of a couple podcasts as well. But I love being a guest because I'm really given an opportunity to speak my truest voice most openly in this setting. Inside of that, there's an opportunity to really get in touch with what is at my core, what really does matter to me, what's being called for in this conversation. And what do, how do I know what's being called for? By gaping the listening. I need to listen for what is being called for, not just through voices, also in the unspoken world. What is it that you're asking? What is it that you're looking for? How can I be a contribution? And sometimes that's through words, or other times it's through non-spoken communication, or through the performing arts, even art, or music, or dancing, or singing, or drama, or cooking, writing, gardening. This is the essence of my other book called The Creative Eight, where we start really looking at ways to express ourselves and be heard for who we are and who we're not. Because ultimately, that's what all of us want. All 7.8 billion of us want to be heard for who we are and who we're not. That is a universal truth. No matter whether you're a monk in Tibet or if you're a, a doctor in San Francisco, that's really what you want more than anything. And the methodology speaks towards taking small steps in the people in the small in, in your inner circle and beginning to say things you haven't said before. You know precisely to the people that matter to you and then making sure that you're radically listening to how that's being received and then what's being called for 
and opening the line of communication to create that level of harmonic resonance that I like to call connection that allows for your humanity to shine forth. As you know, for sure, when someone steps up and is actually connected to you, there's a sense of relief, a sense of release, a sense of purpose, a sense of essential beauty that happens with that connection that is at the heart of humanity. That's what we're all looking for, and that's what I'm going to stand for, and that's what I've been to stand for the whole time. Though the conventional psychiatric system is not necessarily a stand for that all the time, and I've had to work my way through that system to become who I am, which is a psychiatrist, a recovering psychiatrist, if I dare, one who's out here to make a difference in the world by promoting connection more than diagnosis or medication. Wow. Well, that's a very important truth that you said. And I could definitely see that even um, personally and also the people I surround myself with that, yes, we um, we can fall into the trap of not really saying what is it that we, we actually think because of that fear of how we will be perceived. Will we be liked by others? What will other think, you know, others think of us? So then we don't feel like we don't belong in certain circles. And I think that can even happen in family as well and people that you know ideally you're the should be the most connected to for sure so i think that's really important that you shed light to that for sure so what are some of the things that we could do to find this authentic voice that you wrote about fred what are some steps that we could free ourselves from you know all, all the need to not say the truth because of all these outside circumstances but to kind of reconnect with ourselves and and tap more into that because i agree i think it's just like another habit the more we do it the more this starts to become you know our identity or who we actually are exactly yeah so one of the things to do is, and you're already doing is, is just acknowledging uh, acknowledging its existence realizing that that's who we've become the crack in the cement came when we were very young. You know, we were told to sit down and be quiet, and that's what we did. We didn't speak when we wanted to. We were more or less following instructions, and we learned how to not be ourselves in order to protect ourselves. And that crack in the cement grew larger and larger over time, and we've never gone back to actually repairing. So the first thing to do is recognize that that's who we've become over time, and be willing to forgive ourselves, accept ourselves, have compassion with have compassion with ourselves for having become that. It's not like we're bad people. That's just the natural state of affairs: is that we've become afraid to speak our truest voice, or we become incapable, or in some ways, um, really uh, it, uh, like repulsed by speaking our true voice. And so we don't do it in settings where it's important. And sometimes we don't even do it with our family and our loved one. Sometimes we actually stop short of saying what's important to us for fear of hurting someone or disrupting something or being misunderstood or being disregarded. And what I'm inviting people to do is take incremental steps into speaking true voice. Now, this does not mean going to the top of the mountain and screaming how much you think your mother-in-law. That isn't really true voice. The essence of true voice is to move that needle forward, to move the conversation forward. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that really is paying attention to that special ingredient, to the special sauce of the whole thing, and that is listening. It turns out that the most important feature in communication isn't what we say or how we say it 
or what we look like when we're saying it. The most important feature of communication is definitely listening. And not just listening to the other person, but what are the circumstances? What are What is being called for to move that needle forward? Again, what you said is really important, this idea that it becomes a pattern that we then take on a new identity. But the reverse is also true. Once we start speaking truer to who we really are, that becomes pretty contagious and infectious as well. There's a massive relief in finally speaking your truest voice. And that becomes something that opens the space for the people in your world to also find their true voice. Like tuning forks, when we're together with someone who's speaking a true voice, we are left open the possibility and the, and the invitation to speak our true voice in front of that person as well. And a new level of communication becomes available, which creates the connection and ultimately the essential healing that can take place between human beings. Yeah, love it. So let's bring this full circle, Fred. Mental health. How do we end up with staying mentally healthy with all of this information that we've already talked about as far as communication and connection? Yeah, so that's the essence of staying mentally healthy is human connection. And one of the things you can get is that being anxious or being depressed or being afraid or being confused or being afraid or being scared or um, being scattered or being aimless or being tired or all the things that we think have something to do with mental illness are really just functions of the human condition. These are things that our body does for us, not to us. These are things that even if they're highly uncomfortable, do not necessarily represent anything called mental illness. So in other words, being uncomfortable is not a sign of being mentally unhealthy. It's okay to be highly uncomfortable. If you haven't noticed, the world is an extraordinarily challenging place right now, and it isn't getting less challenging. Being confused in these days and not knowing which direction to go has to be considered normal. So what is the matter of being mentally healthy? It's a matter of stepping back a ways and realizing that all of this is essential humanity, that all the experiences that you're having, including the ones that you're pretty sure are bad or wrong or ill or diseased or afflicted or affected or negative or um, sick or ill or whatever, they might not be ill at all. You see, mental illness is a very variable definition. I've been around the world and checked out mental illness in various corners of the planet, and it's entirely different in some areas than it is in others. This, of course, is not true with every medical condition. When you have a broken arm where you are, and you go to Singapore, you still have a broken arm. And when you go to like Ottawa, you still have a broken arm. In Reykjavik, still have a broken arm. That is not true with mental illness. When you have a mental illness in Sacramento, that might not even be a mental illness in Orlando, let alone in UK or let alone in Reykjavik or, or Nepal. The idea here is that because it has a variable definition, humanity sort of defines it on the fly. It's, very, it's really nebulous on the edges. And what some people call mental illness, other people call gifted, other people call the variant of normal. And, you know, because of that, because it's just its definition is so variable, we don't even know what mentally healthy means. None of us can ever really define what mentally healthy means. 
So you know what? It takes a lot of audacity to call someone mentally ill when we don't even have a clue what mental health it really is. And when you start looking at it that way, you just start getting, let's take a picture of the whole thing from over the top, from the observing, hovering, observation, you know, vantage point, and start seeing that all of this is true, and in some ways, none of it is true. The human experience is complicated, and what you're experiencing may not be mental illness after all. If you can gather all of that, then this is case of welcome to humanity. And once you get to welcome to humanity, you can start seeing that really life is what it is and it isn't what it isn't. And you've been given an opportunity to taste all the many you tasted. Some of them have been sour and uncomfortable, maybe even intolerable. And others have been beautiful and ecstatic and wonderful. And all of that comes with being a human being. And that's where mental health really emanates from, in my, my opinion. Oh, well, definitely food for thought. I, I absolutely appreciate your inspiring and practical outlook to mental health. And it makes so much sense. It lets people off the hook. It's like, oof, like I get to define it. And I love that you said that, listen, it's healthy to feel insecure with everything that's happening, right? Or go through negative feelings. That's how we actually grow as humans. Yeah. You know, so sometimes just labeling something gives it a whole sort of... Uh, focus and i think it doesn't always help us as human beings but all of us can define it for ourselves that we can start you know helping ourselves based on our needs and uh, i always say that honestly the biggest exercise or the best exercise i've had to learn as an adult is how to actually feel my feelings not something early on which is amazing i'm like that is so simple but it's so human and it's so powerful and it's so beneficial because that is what it is. Feel our feelings, because at the end of the day, it's all just a feeling. You'll go, you know, once you process it and go through it, uh, you'll absolutely, you'll see that you're stronger on the other side. It didn't kill you. I think yeah. most of us try to hide from those negative feelings that in the fear that we will die or something will happen to us or we will not survive. So Fred, thank you so much for all this amazing information and wisdom and all this amazing work that you're doing out there in the world. Definitely a purpose-driven entrepreneur and someone that absolutely is spreading the right information, the message with people that need the support and someone that looks like has contributed not only to the medical field, but also now in the coaching space with helping people um, kind of rediscover what it means to have, you know, to, to be mentally healthy for themselves. Because I think that's such an important mission that you're after. Fred, do you have a final message? We've actually reached the end of our interview for our audience today that you really feel like you want to share. And also, where is it that the audience can get access to all these amazing resources that you have built over the years? Uh, with yeah. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so, you know, one of the things to really get is that early on in 2006, when I became the undoctor and really unmedicating, undiagnosing and, un and undoctrinating people, uh, that was something that was really brought on by the idea that, you know, the world need, mental health needed a paradigmatic shift. And I began to actually take people off medicine. You know, so many people like you call that revolutionary. It's kind of hilarious that that's revolutionary. It's kind of, you know, all I did was just take you off or something you agreed to come on. It's like, no, not a big deal. And it is, I get that it's revolutionary in its approach. We are at a really important crossroads in the world. With the recent um, you know, increase in psychedelics being used to, hype mental, to help mental illness and mental health, that consideration by the industry to taking that on formal treatment programs, but even outside of the industry with shaman and medicine men and plant medicine and all the many uh, explorations that are going on, along with the impact of 
AI as it really addresses and changes all of what we know about humanity and what we're going to be leaning on to describe human and you know what human health is and what human um, disease is. Uh, we're at an important crossroads where a paradigmatic shift is upon us. Whether we like it or not, mental health and the definition of mental health, what it is to be a human being and not be a human being, are all melding together. Like, where does the human, where does sentient being actually start? Where does it really mean to be a free-thinking human being? What is the impact that we get to make on the world? How many dimensions do we actually live in? These kind of questions are forced upon us in these changing times. And it's more, it's an opportunity to really embrace the whole thing again. And uh, that's why AIMeetsMentalHealth.com is another space that I've um, uh, created where we're really looking at the uh, interface between AI and mental health moving forward to make sure that humans don't get dropped off in the corner uh, as machines and humans create their unification. Mm. Well, I love that. And yes, I food for thought there too, right? Things that we might think are revolutionary might just be basic information that we kind of have bypassed over the generations. It's crazy how I feel like we're like craving as a human species right now for basic, from like for raw, for just genuine connection, for authenticity, all the things that we came from anyway, uh, years, years ago. So I think it's yeah. really fascinating just to see the transformation that we're all collectively going through. Um, Dr. Fred, where is it uh, that you host your best resources to take our audience to next? Yeah, I, the, the place that you can learn the most about me in one fell swoop is at Dr. Fred, Dr. Fred 360 and um, that's the space where you can get you can get a bunch of freebies. You can get my podcast. You can get my books and um, PDF downloads and even audio books. And you can see all the places that I've been and things that I've written that are, are there. Um, and you can even contact me from drfred360.com. Uh, if you'd like to have a discovery call, I'll offer that to your guests. Uh, a, a 20 to 30 discovery call where we can really look at whether there's a good fit, whether I can be assistance as a transformational coach or in any way, shape or form to you or your family or loved one. And if not me, I have a lot of contacts and probably direct you where you need to go. Um, they, so this will take you to another few of my websites as well, including my book websites, my course websites and um, the AI versus AI uh, meets mental health.com website as well. So that's probably the best place to get an overarching view of what I'm up to. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all these amazing resources. I'll definitely go check out all the amazing things that you're doing. And then Dr. Fred is also going to be part of our life school community. So you'll find him there, connect with him there. I want to thank you uh, for everything that you shared and also this amazing mission and work that you're doing out there in the world. Thank you for everything you do. Of course. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for watching. Thank you so much for always supporting our show so then we can bring more amazing experts just like Dr. Fred in all the fields of life because I'm a big believer that um, we are all holistic, complex human beings as we talked about today. So not only are we growing businesses, but we also are also interested in our personal development. So thank you so much for watching. Subscribe and review. And I will see you next time with another show and another guest. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Are you looking for alignment between your purpose and your profit in your business. If you're experiencing these two main pain points in your business, lack of consistent cash flow and sales, and also lack of knowledge and strategy for scalability, then we must connect. 
I would love to schedule a call for a 30-minute free discovery session where I could see what you have built, me where you are in your phase and stage of growth, and also help you identify some of the gaps that you might be experiencing in your business, in the alignment of your purpose and profit, and also in really carrying forward that vision that you have for your company moving forward for your impact and also for your profit. Schedule a free 30-minute discovery call in the link below as my calendar gets very full very fast, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there.